Well, I did grow up with uh, responsive hymn singing in church, and it never felt like that. Uh, yeah. Come on. Oh. You just let it go. Mm. <sighs> Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Like, that's our God, you know? That's our God. That's so good. Okay, thank you, Joe. I'm kidding. Okay. Um, well, I want to talk tonight about self-care. Um, as I listened to a podcast um, that recently got me thinking about that, and I think it's something that's probably unique to my generation. It might have started with my generation, that phrase. Like, I don't know anybody that's maybe older than me in the room, if that's something that people talked about. Um, I don't remember it from being a kid. I think it's kind of a newer concept. Um, and one especially, I think, that is um, taught to women as well. Um, so, um, I have a definition of what self-care is here from a therapist. I looked online. Um, she has a PhD. And she says, as a clinician, I often refer to self-care as a huge part of what's missing in the life of someone who's busy and stressed. Self-care, in essence, is the mindful taking of time to pay attention to you, not in a narcissistic way, but in a way that ensures that you are being cared for by you. So that's the professional's definition of what self-care is. And I remember, you know, Nina even told me a story recently of a time that she was stressed and just felt heavy, and she made the choice to go take a walk. You know, maybe instead of driving home and just moving on with her day, she said, I'm gonna take a walk. And she got with God. And I, I don't even know if I said it out loud, but I know I thought the thought of, oh, that like good self-care, Nina. Like you made a good choice in your life to make a good decision and you did something and it, you, know, you were able to get with God and you know, self-care. That's good. Um, some examples of self-care in my life um, are reading. So I love to read books and I also um, go to book clubs. So in reading, I get to escape a little bit from my life, maybe get caught up in another story so I'm not dealing with my stress or what's going on, or I gain encouragement by reading about someone's biography of someone that did pull through and they made it and they survived. And, um, so I get encouragement from that. And when I go to book club, I connect with other women and I relax and I have fun. Um, so both of these are ways that I take care of myself. Um, but recently, I have had some busyness and stress, um, some deeper needs that self-care just hasn't been able to touch <laughs> for all that it's worth. And I think it's why this podcast that I listened to recently stood out to me. And the words were spoken by a woman who's married, raising kids, and works just like me. And she brought up the point that when we are overwhelmed and overburdened, it is not all that kind to tell a woman that she should add 
one more thing to do to her list, like, and now take care of yourself. That's not that kind, <laughs> right? That in her taking care of everyone else around her, she should also bear the responsibility of taking full care of herself. And why is that? Well, because isn't she in relationships with people where she is loved and therefore should also be cared for, right? And so that's when I heard that, um, yeah, it struck a nerve with me about self-care because we are created for relationship and we exist in relationship with God and with each other. And love is expressed in our relationships as we care for each other. So it put a whole new spin on self-care for me, right? It's still important. Nina made a good choice when she went for a walk. That was wisdom there, you know. But another way that could have played out too is she could have come home and um, Jeff could have said, oh, I see that you're stressed. I want you to go take a walk, go take some time. And I'm going to make dinner so you don't have to do that tonight, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure you would have, right? She didn't even give you the opportunity. She just said, I'm doing self-care. I got this. But I'm sure that's what you would have done, Jeff, when you saw the stress on her. <laughs> Does that count as making dinner for you, Nina? Would you take it? You'd take it? Okay. Okay, so back, back to my story. Um, I was in a place of having um, stress and needs that self-care wasn't working for. I heard this podcast about how a part of loving relationships is that we care for each other and that it's not all on me. I don't have to do it all. Um, and so that's good news because I am in loving relationships and I'm surrounded by people who love me. But the bad news was on this day that I didn't feel all that cared for, right? Our emotions get into it too. So I didn't feel cared for by my loved ones. And I didn't feel like my needs were really known or understood. And part of that is um, I don't share my needs a lot of the times with people around me, right? So how can other people care for us if we're not even making them aware of our needs? Um, and my needs, they just weren't being met that day. So if I don't have to do it all myself, but I'm not getting what I need from my loved ones for various reasons. Where does that leave me? Well, I ended up feeling pretty sorry for myself and my situation. And that is when God spoke some truth to me. He said, Catherine, I care for you. You are well cared for. You lack nothing in the area of care. In fact, I have an abundance of care for you that is more than you will ever need. And I began to let his care wash over me, his comfort, his embrace. He actually reached out and gave me a hug. I was taken care of by the one who sees it all and knows it all. The only self-care I need to practice is getting myself alone with him. So by looking at trying to take care of a problem myself or then looking at my loved ones to take care of those problems as well. And both are valid. That's part of loving, life-giving relationship with ourselves and with others. But I completely miss the fact that, that that God that we sung about is there for me all the time. And he is taking care of me that I am always well cared for. So um, as I spent time with him, I began to think what that meant to be well cared for. Well, 
When you're well cared for, someone sees, they notice that you have a need, and they reach out or draw near to help, to heal, to comfort. They draw closer. They increase their proximity. So when we care for each other, we reach in for a hug. Um, Someone comes to a home to deliver a meal. They wipe a tear from your cheek. They lean in to listen. They pat you on the back. They touch. Caring has a lot to do with closeness and nearness. It is hard to care for someone from far away. Has anyone been separated from a loved one who's going through a hard time or an illness? It's not easy because there's a desire to care for that person and our care feels inadequate when it's not close. Um, Heath's dad earlier this month had a stroke in Nebraska and um, it was hard to not be there because you care and you want to be in the hospital room, you want to talk to the doctors yourself, you want to sit there and be able to look in his eye to say, I'm here, I see you. I, you know, I mean, really, there's nothing you can do but just sit by the hospital bed and pray and offer encouragement, but you're there in the room. And so Heath was able to call him and talk to him on the phone and talk to other family members so we knew what was going on and we're a part of it. But when, you're not, when you can't be there, when someone is hurting, right, it's that proximity that, that communicates best care for somebody else. Um, my mom, um, a few years ago, um, went through breast cancer. And so she had, you know, surgeries and radiation and just went through the whole thing, you know, and it's as much mental and emotional as it is physical when you're, you know, contemplating your mortality and death and, and all that stuff. And I just had this longing within me of like, I want to be there with my mom, you know, but I knew that, again, I can't, I can't, I could pray from here just as good as I could pray for there, for here to be healed of cancer, but I just, there was just this need within me of like, I just want to be there, like, I want her to know she's not alone, I want someone to be sitting next to her as she's going through her treatments, and afterwards, when she's tired and recovering, I want to be the one that gets up and gets her a drink of water, or takes care of something for her. I wanted to be there, I wanted to be close because I cared. And so that caring, um, I think, finds its most beautiful expression in nearness and closeness in our proximity. Um, and, you know, Paul has a lot to say about care and closeness in a letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth. He had been through a lot of suffering and persecution himself. And he wasn't able to come to Corinth um, to care for the church there as he had hoped and planned. He was far away. And this is what he told them. So this is 2 Corinthians, we'll get it up on the board, 1, 3 through 7. And this is from the Mirror Translation. And I'm telling you, when I read this in the Mirror Translation, it just blew me away. And so I hope, I hope you just see something in the Word tonight too, as I did when I read it. So, verse 3 says, Well done, God. You are the Father and our Master, Jesus Christ. You are the Father of compassion and the God in whom everyone is equally esteemed. There is no contradiction of any proportion that we can possibly face that has what it takes to exasperate us or distance us from God. Our consciousness 
of his inseparable nearness immediately reinforces us to, the ex to extend the same tangible closeness to you in your difficult times, and together we snuggle up in the comfort of his intimate embrace. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> you know? So he's talking to the church at Corinth here. He's been going through some stuff, and he has received closeness from God. Right. And he's saying, this is then, I'm compelled then to share that with you, and then together, you and me, as humans, we snuggle in, up in the comfort of his intimate embrace. This bliss and closeness we now participate in was made possible through the enormous consequence of the sufferings of Christ. The overwhelming extent of his sufferings brought about this equally overwhelming sense of inseparable oneness. Our afflictions and testimony of his closeness in the midst of it all is to spark you with courage whenever you might be facing similar contradictions. We all participate in the same salvation and enjoy equal closeness. We are so confident about you knowing that there is nothing you could possibly face or suffer that could separate you from his nearness. I mean, that's one that's probably worth reading like two or three times, just to, like, I mean, you have to. It's so good. So, it is in this proximity, in this nearness, this oneness with God, that we receive his care. As Paul says, we snuggle up in the comfort of his intimate embrace. And I am beginning to believe that everything we need, everything we receive from him, all care, all comfort, all peace, all joy, all healing, is really just us experiencing oneness with him. And that oneness is then manifest as met needs. It's all experiencing oneness. What was one for us by his life, his suffering, his death on the cross, and resurrection, in this new consciousness Paul talks about, an awakening of his nearness, his closeness, our oneness, that is the glory on the other side of the cross, our restored relationship with him. And our needs being met, and us being cared for happens in the oneness. They are one and the same. Nearness is care. Closeness is comfort. Oneness is healing. Yes. Whether we realize it or not, we are one with God. He is close. He is near. And the more we realize it, the more we then experience him and all he is. And so my hope tonight is that we would experience, as Paul puts it, an overwhelming sense of inseparable oneness. And in that place, we receive his care and then go on to share that care with others as we snuggle up in his embrace. So I know that I mean, a lot of that is kind of up here sometimes when, you're, when we're talking about oneness or, you know, it's like these are concepts. And I was raised, I think, mostly with concepts 
um, some good, some bad, um, but none of it had, none of those concepts like led to experience. It was, it was learning the concept for concept's sake. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so the emphasis was on believing the right theory about something. And, you know, less on that theory maybe having an impact on your life. And so, for me, in my journey, as I come across these new theories and new concepts, what's so great for me is that they are leading me to, then to experiences in him that I've never had before. Um, like, I want to experience this oneness that Paul is talking about in this scripture, right? When he's equaling this oneness that we have with the suffering of Christ on the other side, right? Because we see the suffering and we know that it was immense, that he gave it all for us. But then just as equal on the other side is this inseparable oneness that he gained for us that we have. Like it's just as great. And we get to experience that. And so so I'm trying to take these concepts and these theories and get with God and then say, God, let me experience this. Let me know what this is. Talk to me about this. And so that's my hope that tonight, you know, as we do move forward into um, our time of prayer and healing with God, is that we would experience, just like Paul did, this closeness, this oneness, because it is reality. It is real. And that oneness is healing. That closeness is comfort, that nearness is care. Um, the more we realize it, the more we believe it, the more we experience it, the more it's manifest in our lives.